Good morning. In today's headlines, a Manhattan grand jury voted to indict Daniel Penny yesterday. The former U.S. Marine is being charged in the death of a homeless man on a New York City subway. We have the details. Could parents be forced to affirm their child's gender identity? A controversial bill in California says so. We spoke with attorney Nicole Pearson to take us through the fine print. An over 4,000% increase in so-called non-binary students. We look at what's behind such skyrocketing growth at New Jersey public schools. More Americans are taking on a side hustle, but the phenomenon is beginning to look different amid persistent inflation and an uncertain economic outlook. And we take a look at some stunning photographs of Mars recently released by NASA. The images were captured by its Curiosity Mars rover and combined to depict a postcard view of Mars's landscape. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Thursday, June 15th, and welcome back, Kevin. Ah, yes, thank you. It's great to be back. And, you know, Evelyn, it is a shame that that incident on the subway had to turn out that way. That's right. Some are actually saying the law failed Neely and that he shouldn't have been on the subway that day. Yeah, and that, that he shouldn't have been, he should have been at a treatment facility or behind bars for that violent crime that he committed. Now, we have a lot of news to cover, so we're going to tell you what's happening in the case. A Manhattan grand jury voted to indict Daniel Penny yesterday. He is a former U.S. Marine who held Jordan Neely in a deadly chokehold on a New York City subway. Neely was filmed acting erratically and yelling at passengers. Penny says he felt threatened because Neely was saying he was ready to die or go to jail for life. Penny was charged with second-degree manslaughter last month and has been out on bail. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on this incident. Daniel Penny was charged by Manhattan prosecutors last month in the death of Jordan Neely, a former Michael Jackson impersonator who was homeless. His aunt said he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Grand jury proceedings are secret, but the indictment was confirmed by New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Adams said in a statement Wednesday, now that the grand jury has indicted Daniel Penny, a trial and justice can move forward. The charge or charges in the grand jury indictment will not be unsealed until Penny appears in court. Penny says he acted to defend himself and others on the train and did not intend to kill Neely. Neely was shouting at passengers and begging for money when Penny pinned him to the floor with the help of two other passengers. Penny says he wanted to hold him until police arrived. Neely had been arrested many times, most recently for punching a 67-year-old woman and breaking bones in her face in 2021. He was on a New York City Department of Homeless Services top 50 list, an internal list of homeless people with acute needs that have a tendency to disappear. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is expected to formally announce the grand jury indictment on Thursday. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The law firm representing Neely's family issued a statement. It says Penny didn't have the right to be judge, jury, and executioner. The family's attorneys praised the grand jury's decision. They say it's reaffirmed their belief in the justice system. Prosecutors needed a grand jury indictment to move forward with a case under New York law. Penny could face years in prison if convicted. And now, some headlines from around the U.S. Former President Trump's 2024 campaign says it's raised around $7 million since the federal indictment was announced. More than $4 million of that was online. It says it raised over $2 million at an event in New Jersey after the arraignment. 
A legal battle related to President Biden's U.S. Senate records continues in the Delaware Supreme Court. It will decide if the University of Delaware violated the state's Freedom of Information Act. The university denied requests from Judicial Watch and Daily Caller News to obtain the records. It argued they did not fulfill the law's definition of public records. A Los Angeles City Councilman is being charged with embezzlement. Prosecutors announced a criminal complaint against Kern Price Jr. earlier this week. Price faces five counts of embezzlement of government funds, three counts of perjury, and two counts of conflict of interest. The councilman is stepping down from the committee assignments and leadership responsibilities to defend himself. An Arizona state lawmaker was censured after being caught on security camera hiding Bibles in a state capitol room. Representative Stephanie Stahl-Hamilton claims she was playing a prank. The state's House Ethics Committee found she violated House rules with disorderly and disrespectful conduct. Yet another candidate is joining the crowded race for president in 2024. He is Miami's Republican Mayor Francis Suarez. A formal announcement is expected later today. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez filed paperwork to run for president with the Federal Election Commission on Wednesday. He's considered a long-shot candidate for the White House. In an interview with Fox News on Sunday, Suarez said he's motivated to run after seeing the failures of the Biden administration. What has happened is we've gotten a taste of what a dysfunctional government can do to destroy our country in a short period of time. And if you take that out into the future, it is incredibly scary. And that that is what motivates me. Suarez has been serving as mayor of Florida's second most populous city since 2017. Until recently, he also served as the president of the bipartisan U.S. Conference of Mayors. As mayor, Suarez has promoted industries such as cryptocurrency and artificial intelligence. His presidential bid comes as he faces an ethics investigation in Miami-Dade County over potential conflict of interest in a real estate project. Suarez is the third candidate from Florida after former President Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The Miami mayor has a mixed track record when it comes to Trump and DeSantis. Suarez says he didn't vote for Trump in 2016 and 2020, but recently criticized the federal indictment against Trump. The mayor has on occasion butted heads with DeSantis, including over the governor's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, his claims of election fraud in the state, and most recently his feud with Disney. Suarez's late entry into the GOP primary could affect his chances of qualifying for the first Republican primary debate. It's scheduled to take place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on August 23rd. Suarez is set to make a major announcement Thursday at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. We're going to move on from politics to some culture war issues here. California advanced a controversial bill this week. It could result in parents who don't affirm the transgender identity of their child being charged with child abuse. Entity's Daniel Monahan spoke with attorney Nicole Pearson of the legal firm Facts, Law, Truth, Justice to get her reaction. Assembly Bill 957 by... The author of Assembly Bill 957 is Assemblywoman Lori Wilson the parent of a child who identifies as transgender. Our children should be affirmed, and this is saying that you have to include gender affirmation as a part of that. Attorney Nicole Pearson discusses what the law would mean in practice. By defining health, safety, and welfare of the child as including affirming their self-selected gender identity, is that for the parent who chooses not to affirm the child's gender identity, is then subject them or expose them to criminal investigations or investigations by Child Protective Services for jeopardizing or undermining that child's health, safety, and welfare. 
According to Pearson, AB 957 and other similar-minded bills are aimed at stripping away parental rights. They are attacking the nuclear family and our communities, which we all know that united we stand, divided we fall. It takes a village to raise children, and they are trying to prevent that from happening. I adamantly oppose this bill. Pearson says one of the many flaws with the bill is that it doesn't define what affirming your child's gender means. She gives an example of a parent who is okay with letting their child explore their gender identity to a certain extent. But I wanted to limit it to just haircuts and change her name and style of clothes that she wears. But my husband, remember, we're in a custody dispute. We're no longer together. We're fighting. We're fighting for custody. He might say, well, I want her to get on puberty blockers and testosterone. Now, does he really want that for her? Is he doing it to get custody? Pearson says the bill creates a very perverse incentive for a parent to be the most extreme affirming parent to win custody. Another major flaw is the bill specifies no age range and would thus apply to all children. American Association with Pediatrics is saying that two and three-year-olds are already identifying their genders and can identify when they are comfortable with their um, assigned birth. According to Pearson, bills like these are part of a more sinister agenda. The trans agenda, the LGBTQT movement, all of that is the Trojan horse that they are using to usher in laws that will, again, just under, undermine parental rights, the right to privacy, the right to bodily autonomy, which applies to every single person, regardless of age, race, gender, sexual orientation. These bills are bad not because of what it does to children who want to transition. These bills are bad because they are stripping away our fundamental rights as human beings as a, and as citizens of the United States of America. Pearson is calling for those on all sides of the political spectrum to awaken to a real and present danger. This is not a left or right issue. This is not a Joe or Donald issue. There is an assault on the basic right to bodily autonomy, to deciding what you put in your body, to deciding what you do with your body or your children's bodies. California State Senator Scott Wilk testified at the bill's hearing on Tuesday. He had some advice for parents. If you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee. Wilk says when he leaves the legislature, he's moving to America. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. NTD reached out to Assemblywoman Wilson for comment on the bill, specifically on the allegation that it strips away parental rights. We did not hear back before broadcast. Staying on the topic of kids and gender, New Jersey public schools are seeing explosive growth in the number of so-called non-binary students. Department of Education figures cite an increase of over 4,200 percent. People who identify as non-binary say their gender identity does not conform to exclusively male or female. The figures show the number of non-binary students in New Jersey schools jumped from 16 to 675 over four years, with eight such kids in pre-kindergarten in 2022. One parental rights activist blames the state's new sex education standards released in 2020. She says the standards encourage students into non-straight sexualities. The standards say second-grade kids should discuss the range of ways people express their gender and how gender role stereotypes might, may limit behavior. While by eighth, uh, fifth grade, I should say, students should differentiate between sexual orientation and gender identity. And coming up, bad news for Social Security recipients. The cost of living adjustment is thought to be smaller than previously estimated. 
and a realtor gives some advice on how to sell your house quickly and how to bump up the price of your home. So get those stories after the break. Welcome back. Let's turn our attention over to Social Security for a moment. Concerns ahead for recipients as the cost of living adjustment is expected to come in way below this year's adjustment. A senior citizen's league says Social Security's cost of living adjustment, also known as COLA, might be smaller for 2024 than previously estimated. The latest data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics suggests the COLA will likely be around 2.7 percent. That's a significant drop compared to this year's 8.7 percent, which was the largest boost in four decades. The previous estimate from the Senior Citizens League released in May was 3.1 percent. The official adjustment will be announced later this year. The COLA affects about 70 million individuals who get Social Security payments, including seniors, disabled adults, low-income individuals, and survivors of insured workers. The AI chip wars are on. Semiconductor chip company AMD has revealed its most advanced ever AI chip called the MI300X. That's right, Evelyn. This is the strongest challenge yet to NVIDIA's AI chip dominance. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has the story. The AI chip wars are starting to heat up. Semiconductor maker NVIDIA is currently in the lead by far, with over 80% market share. It was NVIDIA's big bet on artificial intelligence that produced ChatGPT in the first place. ChatGPT being the AI program that can respond almost perfectly to any prompt you give it. But now semiconductor maker AMD has announced the strongest challenge to NVIDIA yet optimized for large language models and AI. We call this MI300X. And it has 153 billion transistors across 12 5 nanometer and 6 nanometer chiplets. So I love this chip, by the way. <laughs> we love this chip. AMD CEO Lisa Su unveiled the MI300X chip which was designed specifically for AI programs like ChatGPT. This chip would compete against NVIDIA's H100 chip. Semiconductor chips play a key role in AI. They give the programs the power that's needed to train and work. However, AMD's stock price fell after the announcement. Senior research analyst Stacy Roscon told CNBC his biggest takeaway is that... They're very early on this journey. I, I think maybe that's more of it. Um, they didn't really talk about the AI roadmap until the very end. They talked about some new products that are coming. The products that are specifically for AI, it's called the MI300X. It's not even sampling until Q3. You'll start to ramp it in Q4, but I mean, by then, like NVIDIA's H100 would have been shipping for a year. AMD didn't say how much the MI300X would cost. NVIDIA's H100 chip costs around $30,000 or more. AMD CEO Lisa Su believes the AI chip market will grow from $30 billion this year to over $150 billion in 2027. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're looking to sell your house, what are some things to pay attention to? I spoke to a, real, to a realtor who gives some tips on how to bump the price and whether now is a good time to sell in Palm Beach County, Florida. 
Joining me now is Scott Wheeler. He's a realtor for Posh Properties in Palm Beach County, Florida. Good morning, Scott. How is the time right now for selling a house, financially speaking? Well, good morning, Evelyn. Thanks for having me. Right now, we are still in a seller's market. We go through several cycles over the last 25 years, and it's very important to know what market you're in. And right now, it's a seller's market. Uh, prices are stable. Um, they are increasing slightly. But for the most part, it's a, it's a seller's market, but buyers do have more to choose from now. So in other words, does that mean a, seller, a seller's market means it's now the time to sell, right? Th this is a good time? That's correct. Um, you're not going to have to negotiate your price down too much. Um, for the most part, if you price your home correctly, you will sell it in within 30 to 60 days. So if it's priced correctly, you're in a good market to sell. Oh, that's interesting. Now, is there any way to also speed up the process when it comes to selling a house to avoid, you know, having the property sit on the market for too long? Because that could send a bad signal for the buyer, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely correct, Evelyn. What happens, people want to take a swing for the fence and they've talked to their neighbors and they feel very strongly about getting a, a high number for their property. But unfortunately, that's not always true. You really need to see what the market's like in your neighborhood, check your comps, and make sure that you're priced correctly. I've seen homes stay on the market for six or seven months, and it's just because they don't have the property priced correctly. Interesting. Now, any other tips that people should have on their ra radar before they put their uh, homes out there? Absolutely. I'm sure everybody's heard it before, but just having your house very clean, you want to take away a lot of your photos, unless they're pets. Everybody likes pets. You want to get rid of the clutter and make sure you have a professional do your photographs. Um, if you don't have a professional home photographer, uh, you'll be able to see the difference with your listing compared to somebody else's. Actually, one last thing before we go. Is there any small fixes that somebody can do to bump up the price? Oh, absolutely. First thing is a couple bags of mulch in your front yard, uh, maybe 20 bucks, it makes the house look so much better. And of course, if you can take care of any accent walls, let's say your daughter went to college and the bedroom's still a bright pink, you might want to paint it white. <laughs> good point. Really good point. Thank you so much, Scott Wheeler. I appreciate it. Thank you, Evelyn. Thanks for having me. Speaking of ways to bump up your finances, the modern phenomenon of the side hustle is starting to look different amid persistent inflation and an uncertain economy. Americans traditionally took on this kind of part-time work to pursue a passion or another potential career. Now, the side hustle seems to be front and center. Entity's Andrew Thomas reports. More and more Americans have picked up a side hustle in recent years. According to consumer financial services company Bankrate, there's been a surge since 2017. Senior industry analyst Ted Rossman notes that only 19% of those surveyed had a side hustle back then. Today, 39% have another gig in addition to their primary job. It has gotten easier than ever to do a side hustle from home, whether it's something online or something in an app. I think that's another thing that has kind of juiced this trend, but more than anything lately, I think it's an inflation story about people needing more money to make ends meet. According to Bankrate's most recent survey, one-third of those with a side hustle say they need it to afford everyday expenses, despite the current low unemployment rate. For some, interests that were once passion projects have become necessary to make ends meet. 
largely due to inflation. I think that it's actually a pretty downbeat picture just because this is a really strong job market, and yet this many people feel like they need extra money just to get by. Bankrate reports that those with a side hustle make an average of $810 a month, more than a quarter rake in over $500. 15% of respondents said they pocket more than a grand. Millennials and Gen Z are more likely to have side gigs than Gen X and baby boomers. This year, millennials took over as the biggest earners from their side hustles at about $1,000 a month on average. So I think that maybe speaks to more boomers totally exiting the workforce, um, but also the need that millennials have. The phenomena of moonlighting and side hustling may be changing. Nearly 20% of survey respondents say they'd like to turn their gig into a full-time job. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Coming up, rare lots at upcoming auctions at Christie's in London, an extraordinary letter by Mozart and two portraits by Dutch painter Rembrandt, which were rediscovered after more than two centuries. And in the Northern Territory of Australia, police dogs are constantly training. Their sense of smell is a valuable tool that's hard to replace. Learn more after the break. Good to have you back. Three extraordinary items are going up for auction in London next month. A letter written by composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, as well as two Rembrandt portraits, which were rediscovered after two centuries. That's right, Evelyn. All items offer a deeper glimpse into the artists' lives and are considered to be rarities, which could fetch several million at the upcoming auction. Here's Entity's Kost Temenas to tell us more about the discoveries. The two-page letter by the Austrian composer was written in the summer of 1782. It shows him asking a close friend for advice, following a misunderstanding with his soon-to-be mother-in-law. He's in a complete panic. Uh, he's engaged to be married, and there's been a, we can say, a misunderstanding with his mother-in-law, and she's about to send in the police to retrieve his fiancée with obviously terrible consequences for his reputation, for his fiancée's reputation. So he's writing to an aristocratic patroness, asking for her help, asking for her advice. Mozart wrote the letter when he was 26 years old, shortly before getting married to his wife Constanze. The letter is part of Christie's Classic Week exceptional sale in July. It is expected to get the highest price for any Mozart letter to date, with an estimated value of between $350,000 to $650,000. Also up for auction at Christie's next month, two portraits by Dutch artist Rembrandt, which have been recently rediscovered. Painted in 1635, the two oil portraits show two members of a prominent family in Rembrandt's hometown of Leiden, who were loosely related to the artist. We encountered these two pictures on a routine valuation uh, in the United Kingdom as part of a, um, a valuation process at Christie's. And the extraordinary thing is that these paintings had never been um, registered in any of the Rembrandt literature, so they were essentially completely unknown, which is extraordinary. For almost two centuries, they've remained in the same private UK collection, out of the public's eye. The two portraits are set to go under the hammer in London on July 6th, and could combined fetch up to $10 million. Cost M&S, NTD News. 
Australia's federal police are on their beat, and in the Northern Territory, a canine unit is constantly training to make sure it's ready for any mission. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on man's best partner. This dog is a member of the Australian Federal Police. Today, he's training in a specially prepared house. His mission? Find hidden contraband. Once he does, he sits to show his handler he's found it. We've got dogs that specialize in currency, firearms, explosives, drugs and technology. The AFP's canine unit can find all sorts of illicit items. AFP Detective Acting Inspector Luke Napier says the dogs are a huge help. Their sense of smell is a valuable tool that's hard to replace. Our uniform members don't have the ability to see inside bags, uh, however our canine capabilities uh, are able to detect illicit substances concealed in, in, in items. Uh, their ability to locate those items means that we're able to expedite into an investigation. Like any other officer, these dogs work every day, and it's critical to be ready for any situation. There's always a problem we're working on, so it's constant training. When there's no airport to patrol, it's time to learn new skills. Some involve sniffing out the latest technology. Looking for things like SIM cards, phones, things that might be hidden by organizations. As the world's going cyber, we need that, the capability to search for technology. After a long day's work, there's always time to play, and belly rubs are usually in order. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Moving on to some space exploration, NASA has released an artistic interpretation of a Mars landscape. It uses images captured by its Curiosity Mars rover. The images were taken as the rover ascended the foothills of the three-mile-high mountain within the Gale Crater. It used its black and white navigation cameras to take the shots. Two series of five individual images were captured over seven and a half minutes. Both series were taken on April 8th at different times of the day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Once received on Earth, the images were combined to create two black-and-white panoramic photographs to which color and annotation were added. The Curiosity rover has been on Mars for quite some time. It landed on the Gale Crater in August of 2012, and it's still exploring the planet. That looked absolutely beautiful. That was really interesting, yeah. And I mean, you can see Mars in the night sky. It looks a little red. Oh, yeah? So you've, and you have a telescope at home, right? Yeah, yeah, Mars, Mars is cool to look at. You know, Saturn's awesome because it has the rings. Mm. Nice. Yep. All right. On that note, we want to end it right here. We'd love to hear from you. So write us at goodmorning at ntd.com if you have any feedback that you would like to share with us. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.